Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This, this is, is the Game, game of, of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and it's Gore Girl Summer. Gore Girl Summer. Are you ready for it, Pace Case? Am I ready for it? Yeah. I think so. We had the warm up with Dark Seeker. 
uh, guest hosting Twibbon last week. And now... I listened. It was great. You Oh, you liked it? I heard you were unhappy with your sauce rating. Well, I mean, let's be real. If I'm getting any rating other than a minus whatever the highest rating is, I'm anti-sauce. I'm as anti-sauce as it gets. So I should be getting a negative five can rating. Zero to five. Yeah, I should be getting a negative five. This is what I'm saying. I'm anti-sauce. <laughs> I think um, because it's Gore Girl Summer that, you know, I'm right. So Okay, fair enough. Um. Anyway, the start of our fantastic lineup of interviews starts today. And it's one of my favorite players ever. Uh, what I'm considering a huge get for Game of Roses. I'm so honored that she would grace us with her presence. One of the most important players from one of the most important seasons. I mean, truly an honor and a pleasure to have gotten to talk to her. She spills some real good tea about some of the producers of this season, about some of the producing techniques as well as like regales us with a bunch of hilarious stories about a variety of things that have happened to her as a result of being in our beloved game and all the things that happened after it as well. Yes. Oh, before we get to it, we do have one piece of business. And that is Saturday, this Saturday, April 2nd, we are having our first official book signing at Skylight Books in Los Feliz in, on the east side of Los Angeles. It is a wonderful bookstore. Come there, bring your book. We'll sign it. To be certain, it's 3 p.m. Saturday, April 2nd at Skylight Books in Los Feliz. That is a suburb of Los Angeles, California. Come one, come all. Bring items to sign. And now, we are proud to present this first interview in Gore Girl Summer. This is... Welcome to the pit. With us today, we have a very special person in the pit, an icon of the pre-Instagram era of Bachelor. She came in ninth place on the historic season 17 of The Bachelor. That's, of course, Sean Lowe, the golden boy. The first sand round on both BIP season one and season two. Three, founder of the nonprofit She Lift, all around icon of our beloved game. Please welcome to the pit, Sarah Heron. Thank you. That is the best introduction I've ever had in my whole life. So thank you. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So cool to be here. Thank you. Our pleasure. And the intro continues. We start every Welcome to the Pit episode with. Um, a question. Do you know where you stand in the Instagram all-time leaderboard? Oh, God. We're starting off with comparisons like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Tell me. <laughs> you have 249,000 Instagram followers, which puts you at number 94 uh-huh. on the all-time leaderboard right between <laughs> Chase McNary from Bachelorette Season 12 and the ring winner of Bachelorette season 15, Jed Wyatt. Congratulations. <laughs> Wait, of how, how many um, contestants? Who? How many are on the leaderboard? Have there been an all time? I mean, mm. I don't know what the exact number is, but it's well over a thousand. Yeah, over a thousand. Well, yeah, because I guess because of pre-Instagram. 
Wow. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Number 90. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> okay. So we're going to dive into all of the things that you did in your various seasons of play, all the things that you're currently doing and all kinds of other stuff. But before we get to any of that, did you watch <laughs> the Oscars last night? Yes. I, well, I, I like w worked backwards because I, I actually turned the TV on right during Will Smith's acceptance speech. Was that confusing? <laughs> it was very confusing. So I was like, what the heck? And had to work backwards so that I could see everything yeah. else. He's just sobbing, talking about how he's been called on by God to protect people. And you're like, what in the hell is going on here? <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, this is so beautiful. And I, I was texting my fiance and I was like, oh my gosh, Will Smith won for King Richard. We need to see that. We need to see that. And then everything else just unfolded. And I was like, yikes, this is, this is messy. <laughs> yeah. I liked, uh, someone said, this is why you don't say Macbeth in a theater, <laughs> but that's the cause of all of this. Uh, Truly a, a remarkable moment in uh, pop culture history. Yeah. And just a wild night. I mean, I, I watched most of the rest of the show, um, mm -hmm. kind of like Cliff Notes it, but I love Amy Schumer and I just wanted to see, you know, the highlights as best I could. So yeah. I saw most of it. Yeah. I I enjoyed the, the hosts as well. I thought they did an amazing job and sort of like poking fun at the things the Oscars is criticized for a lot, which I thought was a smart move. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was probably the most relevant moment that the Oscars have had in the past five or six years. I mean, at the very least now, there are going to be a million memes and people will be talking about this for a couple of weeks. And I think it did bump up, you know, the ratings of the Oscars and the ratings of our beloved game and all network TV are all declining. But uh, it bumped the ratings yeah. up a little bit. So it's only the second worst rated Oscars in history. Oh, God. What was the number one? Last year's. Hmm. Well, I mean, like all television, it's all tanking it seems like on network network tv certainly is yeah. which leads us to our our first non-oscars question we always kind of like to before we get into your play <laughs> and how you got involved with the game what we we like to know what you watched growing up and what was your kind of interaction with media what really like formed your your media identity as a kid oh gosh um i was a i watched a lot <clears throat> i watched a lot of TV as a kid, I was, I mean, to be totally transparent, like I was super uncomfortable in my body as a kid. I think just having a disability, I always tended to be a little bit more introverted. So I shied away from, you know, like joining team sports and things, anything that would put me like in the center of attention. Um, and so because of that and being an only child, like the TV and movies were my best friend. And um, so I did, I watched a lot of TV and my parents worked during the day. And I just remember like summer times, my like favorite thing was to go to the movies and uh, watch TV all day. But I loved like Saved by the Bell, Full House. I was that 90s generation of TV. Um, and then I did start watching The Bachelor and American Idol. And this was probably around middle school and I started getting really in and survivors started getting really into all the like reality TV shows. So was that season one of bachelor? Yeah. I've seen it all. I've seen them all. Oh, shit. yeah. Season one. And then because wow. I, so I grew up in Colorado when Trista went on and married Ryan, like that was a huge deal in Colorado. So, um, I just remember mm. being like 
I, I don't know how old I was. We could do the math, but I, I think I was in high school, early high school. And that was just a really cool thing to know that the bachelorette is from Colorado. Like maybe I'll run into her someday, you know? So I don't know, you name it. I watched it pretty much anything except like a lot of, I don't like a lot of action stuff, which my fiance hates mm-hmm. that I, he, he's like the action <laughs> sci-fi buff and I'm the rom-com reality TV. But you had watched every season of Bachelor and Bachelorette up to when you went in? Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Did you have like hero players, people you looked up to, presumably Trista? Yeah. I never really started like getting invested in the players aside from Trista just because of the Colorado similarity. But it was around Ben Flanick's mm-hmm. season when I really started to like, um, like care about the players and and the people and the contestants. And that was like, I think right after Ben's season, I ran into Courtney Robertson at a bar in LA and I, and I just remember like she was the villain and, but I saw her and I was so starstruck and I was like, Oh my gosh, you're my favorite, which I'm sure people (laughs) do that all the time. They'll be, they'll just be like, you're my favorite, even though they hate you. Um, so (laughs) So there wasn't anyone that I really like idolized or um, looked up to, but I just started to pay more attention, I would say, around Ben's season. And that was a season I was watching it with my girlfriends. And um, I I remember, so I was 22, I was about 22, and I had just broken up from my first long-term relationship. And and I kind of had this like idea in the back of my head, well, maybe if I go on The Bachelor, like I wouldn't have to do online dating because I I was so insecure. (laughs) I was so insecure with my physical appearance and my arm. And this was like the day and age when Tinder was not around, but it was like match.com. Some people were starting to do hinge. And Mm -hmm. I was always too self-conscious to put myself on those apps because I thought people would just like swipe left or whatever, um, you know, mm-hmm. eliminate, what, are, what is the word I'm looking for? Like not, just dispose of you immediately. And so I didn't want to get on the mm-hmm. apps and I thought, well, if I went on the bachelor, like no one would know <laughs> until I'm there. Like they can't just swipe left on me when I show up out of the limo or you know, this is how my brain was working. Mm. It's kind of sad and pathetic. <laughs> like have to have a conversation first, you mean? Yeah, it's like they have to kind of get to know me a little bit first. And and mm. then my brain was so weird. I was even thinking past The Bachelor to like, well, if it doesn't work on The Bachelor, when I come home, people can just Google photos of me to know what I look like so that I don't have to show them on my dating app. Like my brain was just reeling with, reasons of why I didn't have to put photos of myself on a dating app. Yeah. But I mean, that's in my mind, pretty fascinating because it's not, there's a a component of it too. That is like, we talk about this on our show a lot, the nature of the parasocial relationship that you form with the audience as you're on the show and then through social media later, which came a little after your season actually. 
But to have like the wherewithal to know that kind of going in, that one of the potential benefits of coming out of this is you will be able to develop parasocial <laughs> relationships with any potential new suitors and they can yeah. just Google you. They can just find your pictures online. And it's like, now, did that happen when you came off the show where they're like dudes coming up to you in bars and stuff and be like, I saw you on Bachelor? Not at all. Really? Not at all. And, what? and still really? like not to this day. I mean, I'll get approached by men, but typically it's like, my wife loves you you know, that sort of thing. The Bachelor never did me any favors in the dating game hmm. at all. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's honestly fine. Also, if you meet, like, I was living in LA, I was 23, 24. If I met a guy at the bar who was like, hey, I really liked on The Bachelor, I don't know, I'd probably be a little, I don't know, question, I would question it a little bit question the mo the mo motives yeah <laughs> a guy who watches the bachelor you're like uh, i don't know which is fine but i just mean i just mean like the motives of trying to date me because yeah i don't which i'm sure many of the women have to deal with today men and women have to deal with today yeah for sure but i don't the strategy of going on the bachelor <laughs> to get out of online dating was not a, not a good strategy <laughs> no i know it's not wait what made you move to la so i moved when I was in college, I went to the, um, I went to the school called, sorry, Otis College of Art and Design. It's a design school. You've probably seen it when you're driving to LAX oh. or flying out of LAX. It's this huge um, school right, right outside of the airport. So I moved for graphic design and ended up graduating with my Bachelor of Fine Arts and went into advertising. And what was your relationship with social media before you went into the game? Like right around the era. By the way, season 17, we should note, was right before season 18. And right after season 18 was Bachelor mm -hmm. in Paradise, which kind of merged with Instagram, really. So when you were in the game, when you were shooting mm -hmm. season 17, obviously Instagram was out, but Bachelor influencers weren't really a thing yet. So as you're going into the game, did you have an Instagram were you, did you have a MySpace? Like what did you have going on at the time? And were you prepared for how all that would be affected when you mm -hmm. came out of the show? So I had all the social media uh, profiles. I worked in advertising. So everything I did was like digital first, right? So I, I was an early adopter of Twitter mm -hmm. and Instagram and I was always mm. keyed in. Um, but I didn't have a following, of course. And I don't think like partnerships really came about maybe one or two right after Sean's season. But I think they started trickling in after Paradise. Um, because when mm -hmm. I left right. for the show, like we never thought, oh, well, you'll come off the show and you're going to get a huge Instagram following and you're not going to have to go back to work. It's like I came off the show and I went back to work. And my Instagram probably just like, dropped for, you know, that first year. I remember watching the numbers like climb, just staggering. And back then it was like, oh my gosh, I got 10,000 followers. Um, and now we see these, these people get like a million followers, but I'm, I didn't really do anything with it for that first year or two post Sean's season. Um, even though I was getting tons and tons of messages and followers from young women, which we can talk about that led to developing SheLift. But in terms of like, yeah, social media deals and partnerships that really didn't start until Paradise. I want to go back to the Courtney mm. Robertson and bar. Did you talk to her at the bar that you saw her at? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. And I got a photo with her. 
Um, this might have been like either right before or while I was going through casting, but I did get a photo with her. It's the worst photo in the history of photos. But mm. I, yeah, I was just like, oh my gosh, oh. I love you. Even though in the back of my mind, I was like, she's the villain. <laughs> ha ha ha. But other than that, it was not an eventful story. But she, she's one of the greatest players who ever lived. I mean, bar none. Yeah, she's one of our favorites. And so are you, to to be fair. Although you said a lot of people <laughs> bullshit Thanks. that, but it's true. <laughs> this is very exciting for us. Absolutely. So how did you get in the game? Did you apply? Were you nominated? Did a producer reach out to you? So it was while we were watching Ben Flanick's season, and I expressed to my friend... Like, oh, maybe if I went on The Bachelor, I wouldn't have to, you know, I wouldn't have such a hard time dating. And I don't know. We probably had a pretty heartfelt conversation about it. And then a couple days later, I'm at work. A girlfriend at work, different friend comes up and she's like, you're never going to believe this. I got called in for casting on The Bachelor. And I kind of was just like... Mm. Mandy, this is like my dream. I want to do that. So you're so lucky. This is so amazing. You know, I didn't, I just thought it was the coolest thing. And she was like, well, I don't know. I don't think it's really right for me. And I'm dating that guy. Like, should I just go for casting and see what happens anyway? And I was like, yes, go, go, go. You have to go. This is so amazing. It's once in a lifetime. And so I was just like Mm -hmm. super stoked vicariously through her. And then she came back from casting that day, back to the office and was like, so I hope you don't mind. Don't freak out. But I told production to call you or I told casting to call you. And I was like, oh, my God, it's happening. Oh, shit. And sure enough, they reached out maybe within 24 hours. I mean, it was super, super quick. And they said, can oh, you wow. come in tomorrow into the L.A. casting? And because... I had to ask for work off. I went to my bosses and I was like, this is a dream. Can I please go? I'm sure it won't turn into anything. And they were like, okay, like we'll, we'll throw her this bone. Like let's entertain her. And they let me go. And they, I went in for casting. I will never forget it. And they offered me a spot on the show right then and there. I never went for any other interviews or like photos or video submissions or anything like that. Wow. Damn. And you're yeah. like, sorry, Mandy, <laughs> yeah. your spot's taken. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was okay with it. We're still friends. Who was your producer, if I may ask, once you got into the show? My producer was Alon Gail. Heard of him. Very interesting. Wow. All right. Yeah. So I was pretty, um, I had a lot of producers, but I was... I mean, and at the time, like, you're so naive to things. You're like, okay, Alon, yeah. Um, right. You got thrown right into the the deep end with the biggest shark in the pool. <laughs> yeah. And and then you kind of like, well, you're going through it. You learn, like, who's the higher up? And, mm-hmm. okay, I get what's going on here. And then you come out of it and you really realize, like, who your producers what were. And mm-hmm. I was really close. I mean, I was, like, under almost immediate... I don't want to say supervision, but like, <laughs> I don't know the right word. My my most immediate producers were Elon. You're captive. Yeah. <laughs> my, my hold, my helders, I don't know. Um, my captors were Elon and, um, and Pete Scalatar and um, Bennett. Mm. 
And so now if you know these producers, like they will, Pete, Pete and Alon aren't there anymore, but I think Bennett mm-hmm. still is, but they're like top of the top. So I have my own theories as to why I was, you know, close with them, which I'm sure a lot of other like key players in the show mm-hmm. also get paired up with those producers because they probably have a little bit more advantage or like ability to see certain storylines. Yeah, your story sounds a lot like Charlene's when we yeah. talked to her about like just being like a huge get for them mm-hmm. and they're just yeah excited about it. Yeah. Well, we certainly talk about the idea of protected players that mm-hmm. if producers have storylines that they've developed yeah. that they need to protect a player from like any kind of potential incursion from any of the other players who might derail that, yeah. then they can just kind of put you on the straight and narrow. Or if they have certain things that they've already mm-hmm. like predecided for you, did you feel like that was happening when you were in the season? Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think more so when I came off, but to go back to my career in advertising, mm-hmm. going into this, I had knowledge. I'm like, I know they're producing a show here at the end of the day. This is my dream. And I believe in the process and the fairy tale, but I know what's happening here. It is Mm -hmm. a TV show. There's narratives, there's an agenda. So I always had the wherewithal to know I'm going to be produced. Like this is not all, there aren't millions of dollars going into every episode to just watch chaos unfold. Like it's, it's scripted to a degree. Mm -hmm. So, um, I always knew that I felt a little protected. Yes. Um, but then I just kept getting all this special attention from Sean. So I believed it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And yeah. And so I was like, well, I, 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 from day one, I mean, I got the first date card, mm-hmm. the first kiss, every date after that group date I was on, always had special treatment, always had special attention. And I always thought, like producers have got to be doing this, but then it just seemed so genuine from Sean that mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know, maybe it is real. And then I got completely blindsided. Did you know when you were going on like the first date, that's obviously a huge thing to get the first one-on-one in any season. Mm-hmm. That very usually is a player that producers have yeah. big plans for. Did you feel like Sean made that decision or did you know at that time that producers were the ones who selected you for the first date? Um, maybe a little bit of both. I definitely thought production was going to want mm-hmm. me to tell my story probably sooner than later. Um, but I guess I wasn't expecting mm. date number one. So when it did happen, I, I thought it was Sean and I thought Sean made that decision for that whole first day. And, you know, I definitely like fell for it and, I never listened Mm. or I never read his tell-all book. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, I've never read it. And I would like to, but I mean, who has the time now? But um, (laughs) (laughs) Maybe an audio book (laughs) on two times speed. But I would, you know, I I heard that he was pretty candid in talking about some of those decisions. I don't know if he ever commented about me personally, but he got pretty transparent in like who producers were trying to keep make him keep around. And I, I I do think I was one of those. I remember he had an Instagram story where he was like the producers pick who goes on the dates. And I was like, Oh, I didn't expect that from, from Sean Lowe. Um, I mean, it's fascinating because you were on the only season that has produced a marriage between the bachelor and his, what we call the ring winner, the person who gets the final rose. And wild. 
it, yeah, it's like a diamond in <laughs> one out of 26. Night one, they switched it up, which was kind of strange in this period of time where they had these special roses and gave a bunch of first impression roses. What did that, what was that experience like? Um, I don't really recall having any emotions about that. <laughs> I just, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> I'm like, for us, it's a huge deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was just so overwhelming, like mm. the whole experience mm. of it. Um, and honestly, I, I kind of like blacked out that night, not al- from alcohol, but like I, you just, it, it's kind of a blur, like it, not because I'm <clears throat> losing my memory, but I'm just like, I just remember being like, I don't know what the hell just happened last night. That was crazy. You just kind of sensory overload. Did you know... And I mean, we can get to this a little later also. Tierra Lacazzi, obviously, we have to discuss. She was the <laughs> villain of season 17 and had some iconic lines talking about her eyebrow and her sparkle and all this kind of stuff. But she got the mm-hmm. actual first impression rose yeah. on night one. And then Dark Lord Harrison, or Chris Harrison, as you may know him, came in and told everybody, <laughs> now Sean can give out 12 other first yeah. impression roses. So it kind of took the steam out of the real first impression rose. Did you guys like as players have any indication of what Tierra was going to become on night one? Did, were you already picking up mm. some vibes or no? Um, I did simply because I had watched so many seasons and coming right off Ben Flanick season. I was like, Oh yeah. Like they're going to make her the villain. Um, but there was also a lot of other ladies that night that I, I, I felt like were contenders, but got eliminated that night or got sent home. So you kind of, you, there's so much going on. You're not actually as like dialed into every single person. Like you might think you would be, or when you Mm. watch TV, like there's so much happening. It's, it's tough to, yeah, just to know what is going on with everyone. So on that first one-on-one date, um, you land on top of a skyscraper in downtown LA. You're going on a helicopter and they pick you up at the mansion in the courtyard with everyone watching you fly away with Sean. And you are told that you have to free fall off the side of the building mm-hmm. to get some champagne. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You, <laughs> you make it through this <laughs> obstacle course, your first obstacle course of the season. And oh. you at the nighttime portion, you do start to get into your story. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like Sean and the producers at the way they handled it, that the, how did you feel about the way that they edited it? How did you feel about that experience? At the time when it aired, I felt totally fine with the way everything has been edited still to this day. I do. I I feel Mm -hmm. like they did me good. I feel everything was pretty accurate, accurately represented. Um, The only thing I feel weird about now is being 35 and watching a 24 year old talk about myself. And so some, some things I'm just like, Oh, I wish I would like, I would have held myself differently or like spoken about myself Mm. differently. But as far as Mm. what made the edit and what was aired was pretty spot on. The only thing I didn't really like (laughs) was and throughout the whole season, it's, it felt like I kept getting, put into scenarios that were to make me vulnerable. And, and that 
I like I had my breaking point at the roller derby date Mm -hmm. because I was just like, what the hell? Like, why, why don't I get to go on the Rodeo drive shopping date? Like, why are they putting me in (laughs) scenarios where I'm literally like physically being pushed to do things that I'm really uncomfortable in? And that also goes back to me talking about when I was a kid, I hated doing any physical contact activities Mm -hmm. that put me in the center of attention. So I'm sure you had talked about that in the interview process that that kind yeah. of thing would be uncomfortable. I would be so uncomfortable if I was on a roller derby date. I'd be like, no, I protest. <laughs> I don't think I ever shared that with. <laughs> I must have actually. I, I mean, in in um, you know, season was Emily Maynard season eleven or fifteen? She was season eleven, right? Brad Womack's first season. She was his second, fifteen. So they made her go to a NASCAR track and drive race cars around a racetrack knowing that her yeah. prior husband had died and was a, a race car driver. Like they will use Horrible. those things for yeah. in quotes, good TV. But speaking of that roller derby date. So in that date, and this is a date that we call the forced violence group date where they are going to force yeah. all the players <laughs> to like either box or in this case, it was roller yeah. derby. And for all the players, I think it was like, it seemed like no one really wanted to do that. And eventually, uh, Amanda Meyer takes a spill mm-hmm. on the track, cracks her chin, has to be taken to the hospital. And then later that night, you've also overcome great hardship, as you mentioned. This is one of the, the exact things you didn't want to do. Later that night at the after party, it's like, it seems like you, in my mind, you or Amanda would get the group date rose simply because of what you were put through in the course of the state. Instead... Mm-hmm. Tierra Lacazzi emerges from the shadows, plays an IFI or a make me stay, sorry, to mm-hmm. Sean Lowe and it works. She gets the group date on that rose. What was it like for you and the other players that night when she was given that rose? Did any of you potentially think, oh, Sean is not in control of this rose? The producers have made this choice. And were there conversations about that at all? Yeah, there were conversations, but I don't think we thought it was a producer move. Like we genuinely were like Mm -hmm. what the hell like this girl has him like mesmerized you know like we really thought tiara has control over sean we don't know what it is i don't think we've ever thought it was production and i don't know if maybe because we were just in it for long enough that we were starting to just like maybe lose sensible thought process but like we were, i'm sure that happens we just we were like wow tiara's really got him got him hooked you had also just come off of courtney robertson's season so you're like i've seen this strategy work before she won the ring totally it was tough with tiara because tiara i do feel like is kind of a misunderstood person mm-hmm. and because of that and I'm someone that's like, I see misunder, I see misunderstood people. I've always been a misunderstood person. And so I gravitate towards them or they gravitate towards me. And so I actually like, I wouldn't say became friends with Tiara early on, but I guess she felt safe with me and I didn't see her as like a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just really tough because she is someone that I was like, she wasn't as bad as the edit she got. And, mm-hmm. and it, it was bad. I mean, to the point where it, it forced her off social media. She, you know, it really affected her life and 
I'm sure she wasn't perfect by any means, but mm-hmm. it really affected her. And I, I always feel bad about that. Oh, t- any villain now, the yeah. edits that they get. I mean, it was bad for Tierra. It was bad for every villain even back then because you'd be mm-hmm. plastered across the cover of Us Weekly or People or whatever. And like, it's the villain. She's so bad. She's so nasty. But now it's a million times worse because of social media and the just the kind of aggression, I think, that the audience has toward people who are painted by the producers as negative in any way, really. Um, You're getting death threats and stuff like on a a daily basis. I say all the time, if like there's no way I would go on The Bachelor or any show today, the way Mm. the world is today Mm. and social media is today. I just don't think I would do it. It's just, it's a scary place. <laughs> it's a scary <laughs> place agree. out there. So. And you found a wonderful partner. which is Oh great. yeah, and I'm engaged, so I don't need to. <laughs> yeah, oops. Week four, uh, you all travel to Montana. You do something that we call the I Love Cleveland, where you all talk about this lodge hotel is it's like the greatest thing ever do they are there lines that they need to get for that do they just do people just naturally jump on the beds and scream off the balconies oh no 100 they're like I, I mean you've seen it even with paradise every single season opener all the girls are outside being like welcome to paradise i mean you do that stuff over and over um and i remember with montana what was so interesting they, I think Chris Harrison came in and announced it like the morning in the morning, like pack your bags. You guys are going to Montana. And when they stopped filming, I went up to him and I was like, you know, that this is like my dream. I put this in the interview packet that I want to go to Montana. I've always wanted to go to Montana. And he was like, yes, I know, Sarah. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's happening for me. And so there's just little things throughout it that you're like, this is working for me. Like they're pulling strings for me. So then when you get to Montana, you're like additionally enthused because you're like, this is, it's happening. It's going to be here. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I don't know. It's just, so the whole thing is so twisted. (laughs) You're like, I'm going to go on a dream date in Montana. And then you go on the first obstacle course in the history of our beloved game. Really? This farmland obstacle course mm-hmm. which involved canoes hay bales and sawing logs. logs and then drinking hot goat milk which Desiree Hartsock chugged yeah is that what you what your vision of Montana was no and I never even left the hotel really besides that date that date oh, like God. that date uh if the roller derby physically injured me and brought me to tears the the um the obstacle relay race date like made me angry because then I was just like like seriously here we are you want me to bale hay and saw logs it was and and, like milk a goat with one hand like it was just at that point I just remember being so that's where I was starting to lose my temper and I went home like the next episode so probably why you think the producers at that point did you tell them like this sucks what are you doing and they then in turn were like you're out of here so actually i mean yeah i was i was getting very vocal about it especially after the roller derby date because i was so upset um bennett actually pulled me aside and i remember we had this conversation and he started crying 
um, we were like standing in this stairwell and he started crying and said, he just wanted to apologize to me because he didn't realize that it was going to be that, um, like uncomfortable for me, mm-hmm. um, emotionally. And he said, you know, cause he was like, I just wouldn't want to put my daughter in a position like that. And I, I guess I didn't really realize the magnitude of what we were putting you through until wow. I saw it and, and he was crying and Dang. felt really bad. And so then getting a response like that from production and then getting immediately put into another date, I was like, what the fuck? Like we yeah. just talked about this. And yeah, that's when I started kind of losing my temper with them. That's fascinating. This is making me mad. <laughs> yeah. We don't know any of the producers, but I've been coaching a few players who were in this past season 26. And mm-hmm. so I now know some of the tactics that producers use to gain trust from players that I think are used kind of in a blanket way for all players. That, to, like, I don't know. Maybe he really was sad. Maybe that was heartfelt. But then, like you're saying, to then turn around and be like, look, I'm so sorry we had to do that to you. But now, saw logs and chug goat milk. Everything's great, right? It's the dark side of it. It makes you wonder. Like it really, and what's the whole, with the whole franchise, what's so crazy is they treat you like that and you're like at your wits end and you're like, this is disrespectful. And then they're like, do you want to come to paradise? And you're like, okay, (laughs) I'll come. (laughs) It's like, you love them again immediately. (laughs) They're like, but now we're traveling again. (laughs) In the next week, you went on the Polar Bear Plunge Group date. Yeah. And that was obviously very famous for Tierra Lacazi getting what she said was hypothermia and making it kind of all about her. She played another IFI there. Yeah. Um, what, A, let me just ask you this. How cold was that? Do you believe that she actually could have had hypothermia? Was that possible? Well, let's see. <laughs> Knowing what I know now, because, you know, I'm much more like recreational and I live in the mountains. The water, yes, was freezing. That was October in the Canadian Rockies. So yeah, the water was probably not freezing. This was probably like 40 degrees, I'm guessing. It was freezing, but I mean, none of us got hypothermia. I think if anything, maybe it was like a nervous reaction or anxiety and then it just escalated and maybe she didn't know how to like get herself out of what she started. I don't, I don't but I don't think it was hypothermia. Yeah, like a panic attack. Yeah. Uh, it's one. It's just one of the greatest moments in the history of the game, in my opinion. I just wanted to <laughs> see what it was like from the perspective of somebody who was actually there. I don't know. At that point, again, I was like just losing my my like patience, and I just remember being like, "This is some good drama." <laughs> like, yeah. I was there for it when it was happening, so I was like, "She's gonna be fine. This is yeah. all just theater, right?" Clues. It is springtime. It is the off season. It is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like clues who only wears one outfit. I'm quince head to toe at this point. I'm a quince boy. (gasps) I'm a source boy, quince boy. 
What's you got no up? idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm quinced. <laughs> Just call me quinced. King Quinces. Okay. They call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince king yourself or Quince queen. Go to quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. Clues. Mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing nothing great for free spirit types well for all the free spirits out there right now you can shop the skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes xxs through 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know we sent you after you place your order select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows again that's skims game of roses is sponsored by better help clues uh we all carry around different stressors big and small and if you keep them all bottled up it can affect you negatively Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the the whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake, and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Yeah. And then after that, they give you a benevolent elimination. They send Sean Lowe in to say, this is not working out for you. And you don't have to go through the next rose ceremony. You go out in ninth place. So. Yeah. In that moment, they're putting you in the back of the car to drive around the hotel for a while, and then eventually you come back. Did you know in that moment that VIP was even going to be a possibility? Were producers talking about it at all? Did they even know Mm -hmm. that they were going to do it? No, not at all. Wow. Hmm. No. If anything, like it was too early to be like, well, maybe I'll be the bachelorette, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but like their paradise was not a thing. Did they ever bring up bachelorette with you? No, not, no. 
I think mm-hmm. a lot of people talk about, oh yeah, they were they were talking Bachelorette with me, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> they they talked to everyone about that, but they didn't with me. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. I think people, you, you give a mouse a cookie, or you give whatever the saying is, you give it a crumb, it takes a cookie. Or mm-hmm. A little bit of information gives people the wrong uh, an idea that they're like yeah. going to be the bachelorette all of a sudden. Did they sit you down? We we've talked to other players, Pilot Pete being one of them, who uh-huh. talked about at the beginning of a season, the producers will come out and tell you like some of you are going to wind up getting famous from this. One of you might even be The Bachelor. Did they do that to you guys on no. your season? You no. did not have the pre-season speech. No. Interesting. Okay. The only speech we got night one, or I guess it was morning two, you know, when we all came back mm. into the mansion, was there's this guy out there named Reality Steve, and he makes a living spoiling the show. Do not speak to Steve. If he reaches mm. out to you, there are legal ramifications if you speak to Steve. Like that was the only watch out we really got. Oh Just a threat. <laughs> so night one, they're like, we're now going to threaten you and now find love. There's this guy, Steve. Yeah. Don't talk to him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was terrified of, I mean, we all were terrified of Steve back then. <laughs> God, of course. So you come off the show, you feel like this is it. My playing days are done. And then eventually you get this call. What was that call like for Bachelor in Paradise? Because they essentially had to pitch you the show, I assume, on that call and be like, this is kind of what it's going to be like. Do you want to come? Do you not? And and what made you decide to do that? Yeah, they called me and said, we have this new concept. Um, I think they originally kind of phrased it as like, you, you know, we're going to take back contestants that didn't find love the first time and give them a second shot at love. But you're all going to like live together on an Island at the time. It was, you know, it wasn't Mexico hadn't been Mm -hmm. determined yet. And so it's kind of like temptation Island, but like romantic and everyone's going to find love (laughs) in it. And I was like, I don't know. I started talking to a few of my other friends who had also been reached out to, and we all kind of decided why not? Like, let's give it a shot. What could happen? I asked my employers for time off work again and figured got nothing to lose. Let's give it a shot. (laughs) Who were your, who are your, your friends going into that season? So I was good friends with Brooks Forrester. Um, who else? This feels like so long ago, Brooks, Michelle money. Mm -hmm. Ashley Frazier ended up being Ashley Frazier. Yeah. Cause she was from my season. Jackie was from my season. Yeah, Claire, Zach, Calter, and and Robert. I knew mm-hmm. a little bit just from the LA scene. Like basically whoever lived in LA yeah. at the time. And do you remember what happened to your Instagram as a result of your first season on BIP? In terms of numbers? Yeah. Like when you came off, when the show started airing, did it like just explode? Yeah. So, well, again, relative numbers, but when so after Sean's season, I capped out around like 72,000. Mm-hmm. And then when Paradise started airing, it was like creeping up 100, 120, 200. I think it was around 200 or so. Dang. So at that point, did you start doing SpawnCon? Was that like, you're like, well, I already know ads professionally, so I'll be better than anyone at this. (laughs) Not really, not really. No, I got a few offers for like FabFitFun 
but again, I had my career, I had my dream job in advertising. I really didn't want to leave it. I was, I mean, I was making like award, award-winning commercials and stuff. That was my priority. Um, but all that changed after Paradise Season 3. So yeah, well, let's talk about Paradise Season mm. 3. So Season 2 goes by <laughs> and then Season 3 happens, which mm-hmm. for me is like probably the most important of all the seasons because this is where you they have solidified the formula now and everybody on that season is a massive heavy hitter. Amanda Stanton, Josh Murray, mm-hmm. Carly Waddell, Evan Bass come out of that season. Lace Morris, Grant Kemp, Ashley I. Kennedy, Wells Adams, Jared Highbon, Kayla Quinn, the Ferguson Twins, Chad Johnson, and of course, the greatest player of all time, Nick Vial was on Stacked. that season. <laughs> Please tell me, what was it like to be a player alongside the great one, Nick Vial? Oh my God. In Bachelor Paradise Season 3. What was it like for him to be with a fucking star <laughs> like Sarah Heron? What was he like? That's my basic question is, what was he like that season? <laughs> and did he know that he was going to be The Bachelor already when he came in? Did they already tell him that, basically? No, he definitely didn't know, but I would not be surprised if he wasn't campaigning for it before he even showed up. <clears throat> sure. Um, and and like, I hadn't known Nick for a while before this, just through the scene and everything, you know, Bachelor related. And he even slid into my DMs. I will put that out there. He slid into what? my DMs once and obviously it did not, nothing <gasps> ever happened, but he did. Let the record show. I love this record. Oh my God. <laughs> no, so so then when we like showed up in paradise, it was kind of, I, I don't know. I had met him in person several times and mm-hmm. I just knew I was like, he's going to be campaigning for sure. But he ended up hitting it off. I think he kind of bounced around. I don't really remember, but he yeah. ended up hitting it off with um, Jen Saviano. Jen. And they seemed like a really good fit, honestly. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess actually maybe, you know, it stops here. But Nick is very, he, what people may, maybe don't know about him. I think he's been more transparent about it now in mm. post bachelor is like, he's pretty, um, he's an emotional sensitive guy and he's pretty introverted. So he was not a guy that was like on the beach peacocking mm. or anything like he's pretty reserved and you would find him most of the times having like one-on-one conversations with people yeah. or hanging out with producers or um, contemplating things a lot, but he's not, he was not like super sociable in hmm. the scene. You mentioned that he slid into your DMs and now <laughs> like in the contemporary bachelor in paradise, everybody's sliding into everybody's DMs yeah. and the producers are using that to build narratives. And if you were at Stagecoach and who did you have sex with when you were at stage, all that stuff comes into play now and you'll be villainized yeah. or lauded or whatever the case may be. In that era, in Bachelor in Paradise season three, was that kind of the case? Were you guys meeting up outside the show? Did you have certain storylines or relationships that the, the producers used on your season? I think by season three, people were doing that to a degree season Mm -hmm. one, we were not, we were like scared um, because producers would say like, if you reach out to anyone, if you communicate with anyone, you're going to be, you'll get sent home. And so people were really good Mm -hmm. about not chatting too much. And then by season three, I think it was, but it wasn't like it is now. There was no, people weren't dating at Coachella before they even arrived to Mexico. It was not like that. But I think, you know, people started 
hitting each other up just to see, like test the waters, see who they were going to have a connection with, see who was interested in them. And it was mm-hmm. not like, like Nick never even really hit on me. He just, I think was probably like trying to get to know everyone. <laughs> if you know, what He's I mean. like, I'm starting my campaign. You're first yeah. on my list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need an endorsement. I, yeah. I firmly believe exactly what you said. I, I think he was campaigning to be the bachelor and obviously successfully because he then was bachelor season 21. Yeah. I mean, look, love it or not, or like, he's one of my favorite people to watch. Like I wouldn't say he and I necessarily have, the strongest relationship or friendship today. We do not speak at all. I think we follow each other on Instagram and that's about it, but I thoroughly enjoyed him as the bachelor. And so I think he's, he's good TV. (laughs) Uh, So you did seasons one and three. Were you asked for season two? No, I was not asked for season two, but you go back for season three. Was that because you, you were, did you have a different perspective going into three than one? Yeah, I think season three, honestly, by then I was just kind of like, okay, I see what this is doing for my Instagram. I see what this is doing for visibility. Um, I was starting to get pretty burnout at my job by this point and had seen, you know, people come off paradise too. um, really successful. I remember chatting with the guy, the agent who like manages a lot of bachelor people. And and he was like, I won't say the name, but he was like, I worked with so-and-so and got her six figures last year on Instagram deals. Yeah. And I was like, no kidding. Okay. <laughs> like that could be fun. So I, at that point I was like, let's just do it. Why not? Um, it was way less about finding love at that point because it, I, I did not really believe in the model anymore at that point. Were you guys, like all the players, did you all openly talk about Instagram and stuff back then and getting your numbers up and whose agent was getting you brand deals and stuff? Not really. Because again, back then I feel like people were still mm. a little secretive about it. Like they didn't even really want to share who their agent was because you don't want to miss out on Instagram deals that could be coming to you and but they're going to someone else. People were a lot more like holding it, like information closer. I don't think, I don't know. And I also just think people wanted to be cautious of getting that portrayal Mm -hmm. back then. Like today, Mm. maybe people don't care as much. I don't know. No, I think it's even, it's more important today in the, especially in the Bachelor in Paradise game. If you saw what happened on last season with Brendan Marias and Piper James, I mean, they just had one shot of them talking about Instagram. That dude lost 100,000 Instagram followers within like two days. Insane. I know. But no, we never had, I never had conversations with, uh, with anyone about Instagram followers or anything ever. So you mentioned that you were starting to not like your job. What is there, what is the shift in that into what you end up doing now? Yes. So starting with Sean's season, I started receiving fan mail, like actual fan mail to the office, letters, handwritten letters. Um, They would go to my boss, you know, because they didn't know how to reach me. They would Google me. They'd send stuff to my office. They'd show up at my mailbox. And I started getting all these letters and DMs from people, a lot of them little girls with physical disabilities or sometimes moms or dads or aunts uncles writing to tell me that 
you know, they watch The Bachelor with their daughter. And this is the first time she's ever seen someone with a limb difference like her on television or uh, a lot of times I'd be like, I had to bring my daughter in, you know, she's only four, but I had to show her that someone looked like her on TV. And I started getting all these messages and I would be like, this is great, but like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. Um, I haven't been trained in how to like respond to strangers. And also I was still severely struggling with my own insecurities around my disability. So I kind of just ignored it for a long time. I would say thank you and write back to people on Instagram. And then after Paradise season one, it started to like ramp up even more. And then by like somewhere in between there around season, when season two is airing, it just never really stopped the, um, you know, the young women reaching out and, and being a creative person and getting burnt out on my job and also seeing this opportunity, I started to think like, well, maybe, maybe I could be doing something with this. Like I've been given this platform and I've been given this audience and a group of people who have a need that like, hopefully I could create something that meets that need. And so maybe I should brainstorm on like what that is. And eventually I landed on this idea of starting a nonprofit that helps young girls with disabilities discover confidence and self-esteem through the outdoors, um, learning to ski and hike and just be in nature. So I started putting all this together before Bachelor in Paradise season three. And I like formed the nonprofit, um, started planning my programming and was really planning it as like my exit from the advertising world. How did you know how to do that? A lot of research. <laughs> uh, I was a lot of research. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, from like an idea perspective, like that's what I was getting paid to do is come up with ideas and, and be really good at executing ideas. So it's the producer in me, you know, that just figured it out. Um, also, meanwhile, which we can also talk about, I was like s- developing my first real manic episode, which I later came to be diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And so that kind of all tied in at the same time. Um, you get a lot of creative energy when you're having a manic episode. (laughs) So I started the nonprofit and then they reached out about paradise again. And I was like, this is it. This is, you know, my shot. I might not find love. I'm not even going in with the idea of finding love, but this will help catapult my nonprofit. Hey, it's a much better reason than most people. Totally. Look, I don't think that you go into paradise without a strategy, without an agenda. If you're just going in there to be like, oh, let's see what's going to happen. You're you're missing a massive opportunity to grow your platform, to do exactly what you did, essentially, to go in there and be like, I need to get as big as I can, get my numbers up so that when I come out of this, I can do what I'm interested in. Yeah. Well, and I mean, from... You know, I, I I hate for it to be seen as like even just an agenda, but it was to help raise awareness for the nonprofit. And as soon as I came off the show, I launched my first fundraiser the night Paradise aired and I got all the cast members involved and we sold t-shirts online for the nonprofit and we raised $35,000 that night. So <clears throat> yeah, so for me, it was like, at the point, at that point, I still wasn't doing Instagram deals or anything, but I just was, I guess, bringing in revenue for the nonprofit. So 
That's incredible. Yeah, thanks. I mean, there, there's, it really is staggeringly amazing that you were able to do that because so many people go through this show and maybe you come out of it with Instagram followers or whatever, but to have it like that laid out for you where you're like, I'm going in to do this, then you come out, you execute exactly that. And it's this thing that's like, a good cause, you know, it's not, uh, what many players, I won't name names. Many players come out and have some not so good causes or like post game careers that are, uh, <laughs> yeah. Or I think there's a lot of times I'll see like, and I get it. You come off the platform or the show with a platform and people probably encourage you like, Hey, you got this platform. You got to come up with something. You got to mm-hmm. figure out how to use it while it's hot. And so I do think a lot of people kind of like come up with their, whatever thing it is right after they come off the show. But the nonprofit was something I was chipping away at, you know, leading up to paradise. So I don't feel as like get rich quick. <laughs> it's like No, totally. Um, <laughs> I definitely don't think this is a, a get rich quick uh, story <laughs> at all. <laughs> it seems like yeah. you, you went through a lot of, a uh, lot of obstacles. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I, I hope I didn't like, I didn't have any romantic prospects there that third time at all. And it was so, you know, I, I would hate to take up the spot for someone who actually could find love, but it just wasn't in the cards for me that time, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or ever. Or ever. <laughs> ever. Um, do you keep in touch with any of your friends from the show? Yeah, I do. I'd like to say I'm pretty close with a lot of people, honestly, everyone who's been on my seasons or the seasons that I've been on, but most frequently I talk to Claire um, and I talk to Amanda Stanton frequently. I see her every once in a while. Um, Ashley, I, Ashley has been so sweet. I've been going through some fertility struggles. Um, My partner and I have been doing IVF for a year now and Mm -hmm. Ashley has just been so kind and constantly like checking in on me and seeing how things are going. And, um, yeah. And so I'd say those are kind of like the and Carly. I'm really close with Carly and I talk to Jade every once in a while. So they're kind of all like OG people and I don't know anyone from like newer seasons, basically yeah. Ari's season and on, I don't really know anyone else. Those, I mean, all the players you're mentioning are like the heavy hitters from that era. Uh, yeah. Like Ashley Iaconetti mm-hmm. to us is one of the greatest players that ever lived. Talk I about know. somebody who took her platform and turned it into a massive business. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what she had pre-planned going into her season and her seasons of paradise and stuff like that. But when she, I mean, look what she's doing now. It's insane what I she's know. able to do. She just has such a good sense for like how to turn her time in game into whatever she wants, really. Ashley's awesome. Yeah, she's so cool. And, and Jared is awesome just the sweetest guy ever. So yeah, good people. I mean, I, and I guess I talked to quite a few people from Ari's season and I knew Ari, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, new people I don't know at all. But you still watch. You watch all the current seasons? So Clayton's season was the first season I didn't watch. Ooh, oh, why? Wow. What made you make the decision? The first season of any Bachelor or Bachelorette in the history of the game? Ever, ever. Oh my God. Please tell me what it's like. What is it like to be able to detach from it? I thought it would never happen. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I watched the first two episodes mm. and I just was like, I don't know. I, it was, it was just lacking. It was like, 
it felt weird. It felt discombobulated because Chris wasn't there. Mm -hmm. It just, it was like, you're watching the bachelor in a parallel universe. And, Mm. and like, I don't know. It was just bizarre. And I've had a hard time like connecting with Clayton as the lead, you know, just Mm -hmm. even as a viewer, I was like struggling to connect with him. And um, I did watch the finale because of how crazy it was, Mm -hmm. but I didn't watch the season. And I mean, I tried and all the stuff with Shanae, it was just getting like, I was like, this is the same script that we've seen every season, except now I am not even invested in the characters. Yeah. I think they had... I mean, you know, we've talked about this a lot on our show, obviously, really deconstructing like what the seasons, various seasons mean historically and all of that. And this was the lowest rated Bachelor season in the history of the show. But again, we don't know if that's because people were tuning out of the season or just network TV is dying generally. I think maybe a little bit of both. But uh, yeah, we agree with you. I, I think that they have gone down this path for the past couple of seasons, actually, where they're selecting leads who finished somewhere in the like, you know, seven to 10 place of their season. Yeah. So we don't get to see them go to hometowns. We don't get to see them do fantasy suites. We have nothing really invested in who these people are as characters. And then what they did to Clayton, I think was like truly sinister because they were just making him look bad at every turn, making him read bad tweets about himself and just like positioning him to kind of be the the butt of the joke or the target of Bachelor Nation's ire every time. Mm-hmm. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in... um three body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water preservatives or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by get this 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven day routine, tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabooli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. Cute. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things. <laughs> and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. 
Aura Frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. And I don't like, that isn't a fun thing for people to watch, I don't think. Yeah. And I don't know, some of your, your guys' memes and posts are so funny, which by the way, I wanted to comment on that because I think you had a few like way back when I came on on Sean's season and I was like what the fuck is this <laughs> like, what are these graphics I was like so confused yeah. and now I live for it they're so funny um, I can explain it to you do you smoke weed uh, <laughs> that's basically what was happening I'd get high as shit and then just lay in my bed and try to make myself laugh with these fucked up satanic images of Chris Harrison and stuff. That's so funny. Yeah. Like I was like, what kind of Photoshop filters are they putting on this? Um, that's hilarious though. But, and I think just with Jesse Palmer, I mean, I'm sure hopefully he's mm-hmm. going to grow on us, but it's just tough because he's so like, even though he was the bachelor so long ago, but he, we're not like invested in him the way, even with Caitlin and Tasha, it's like, yeah, have a connection with them. And so there was something about Dark Lord Harrison that we always say is like he was sinister in a way. You could tell that he seemed to enjoy the <laughs> suffering of the players. You knew him to some degree. I mean, you worked with him on multiple seasons. I'm sure off camera, he's a nice guy and all of that. But did you ever get that sense when like somebody would be really getting fucked over by a producer or some bad situation would happen? Did you ever get the sense that he like kind of enjoyed that? <laughs> when you phrase it like that, I'm sorry. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, you're crushing his dreams. I know. <laughs> That's so funny. I've seen it in his eyes. I'll never believe it. I know. No, but Chris, <laughs> what was always so surprising about Chris, I felt, but maybe you were seeing right through it, is I always felt he was way more, uh, had a much better sense of humor and was like sarcastic and witty as soon as the cameras cut off and he just felt more like an like a friend um and on camera I always felt like he felt really kind of like yeah hosty mm-hmm. just like kind of fake but I guess maybe you saw through it but I don't know I I I had a great relationship with Chris and you know I'll be interested to see where it goes with the new host but Dark Lord <laughs> The Dark Lord Palmer has stepped in. He he really, for me, at the end of that season, 
turned up the volume on his oh uh, delicious delights when people were suffering. And I think he is going to be a fantastic <laughs> Dark Lord coming right up. But I'm also curious, like you said, uh, Chris Harrison supposedly is in development on another reality dating show that's going to be on a rival network in the next year or two. I don't know if it'll, I'm sure it'll see the light of day. I'm sure they'll do at least a season of it and we'll see if they can compete. Yeah, interesting. But I mean, what do you think in terms of numbers and and players, Instagram numbers, like the drop off? I was shocked to see this year, like Clayton's numbers versus, I mean, go back to like Maddie Pruitt, Pruitt, I don't know her last name. Like she got like 2 million followers after the show. And so did Pilot Pete that season. He was a lead. He had two point whatever million. Do you think it's just a trend in people like being over and following Bachelor people on Instagram? Or do you think it's related to like that particular cast? I think it's literally all of these different things are applied toward it. One, Instagram is not as relevant as uh-huh. TikTok. And so I think like in the incoming generation of people who watch the show are all on TikTok. They don't really give a shit about Instagram. Two, the, it had the lowest ratings of any Bachelor show. And that does affect your Instagram numbers. If less people are watching your yeah. show, less people are going to be following you. And yeah, I just think people, the way they positioned Clayton specifically talking about his low gains, um, they, in the first moment we saw him on TV as officially The Bachelor, they had him come out at the after the final rose and read mean tweets about mm-hmm. himself. The producers positioned him as somebody that we were not mm-hmm. supposed to like from the the first frame and so i think that carried through and then it was just a matter of like well if nobody's watching the show the two finalists or or even the final three we all saw that they had sub 200k i think at the end of the show and now you know two of them are going to be the bachelorettes and we'll see what happens there but i definitely don't think it's the casting though to answer your question like i think some of these people would have had a million plus in if they had played in a different era. Yeah, interesting. Well, that's a good point about TikTok. I'm fucked in TikTok world, so. You got to get into it. You got to do it. You got to take the plunge. Get in there. Uh, I know. But I, d- I don't think you are. I think you are such a talent in the parasocial world. Like, I love watching your content more than most players. Thank you. Like, <laughs> and even, like, sharing your IVF journey. Like, how do you decide... How do you decide how much of that you're going to put on Instagram? What has been your relationship with Bachelor Nation since you were on the Mm show? Well, when it comes to my life, I'm, I don't know. I've just always been very candid. I'm an open book. Um, So if I'm talking about IVF or I'm talking about mental health, like really there's no boundaries. Like I'll talk about anything. What I, what has been a learning curve in the last couple of years, I think is jumping the gun on having opinions about things that aren't necessarily your business or your experience. And so, Hmm. whereas like, I don't know, I feel like a couple of years ago, there was way less consequence. Like if you had an opinion on Chris Harrison Mm -hmm. and now it's like, if you have an opinion it's going to be the wrong opinion to a lot of people and you have to be ready to battle that. And so social media is just a weird, wild, wild west where like, I'm comfortable talking about my life and bringing people into my life. And then I feel like I have to be a little bit more like pause and think about everything else. And like, before I weigh in on things, cause it's just, 
ruthless out there. This is, if I may, this is my prediction yeah. <laughs> for where social media is headed. As mm -hmm. artificial intelligence and quantum computing really start to step into this realm, I think Oof. we're all going to be avatars. I know this sounds crazy, but like as... <laughs> As filters are getting better and better on like TikTok oh or on anything, God. and you can make your face look like whoever you want it to be, I think there's just going to be like no reason to ever use yourself. And everybody will be doing all their social media through like a fake persona. Well, that's like um, Black that Black Mirror episode. Did you see that one? No, I didn't see that one. I think it's Black Mirror. Um, but I've seen this a, a couple different ways in like sci-fi stuff that Dylan mm. watches. But yeah, where it's like... <laughs> <laughs> you're like it's all in the background at some yeah, point when no, I'm where people like go to sleep in their like chamber and then yeah. meanwhile they're like avatar goes out in the world and is the actual representation oh that bruce willis movie surrogates yeah and then black mirror so go try and go find that black mirror episode everybody go watch surrogates <laughs> black mirror is great it's scary yeah but that's not black mirror is like a horror movie so is surrogates all those things are always like, here's the worst shit about technology. They never make shows about the best shit about technology. And I think it's going to be great when we can all have avatars and we can all be making whatever the, the future version of TikTok money is. Wow. You should make the optimistic version of Black Mirror, Clues. I'm trying to. It's my life. <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm living yeah. it. Was I hallucinating? Were you in a Fitbit ad that was that played at the Super Super Bowl? Yes. <laughs> yes, I was. Yes. Okay, I was not hallucinating. Yeah, that's just another thing that's like very cool for me that feels a little different and I'm I'm super grateful and honored to even be considered for things like that outside of just an Instagram deal. Like I got cast to be in this Fitbit commercial and um Part of it was about rock climbing, which is a, a passion hobby of mine. And I got to just be me doing my thing and uh, on a on a different stage. And that was really cool. So, you know, it, it keeps trickling in in weird, unexpected ways. And I'm here for it. I'll keep doing it as long as it shows up. And then probably I imagine in I imagine, honestly, like in the next couple of years, it'll probably start to really teeter out for me. No, but you have 294,000 Instagram followers. Like the, that's not going to go away. I don't know. I don't know. I'm always in the back of my mind. I'm like, what's my exit strategy? Like, should I get into real estate? <laughs> like where I never have to be on Instagram again. You fake a breakup and then you're the next bachelorette. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, I forgot. So they did hit me up for winter games when I was oh. dating Dylan. Oh. And I forgot about that. And I, did, I wanted to do it so bad. And I was like actually considering doing one of the fake breakups with Dylan because, or just because I was like, this is me. Like I will win winter games, like the actual competition element, if I can go on this show. Mm -hmm. But they were like, you're dating Dylan. Like you've been pretty public about it. I, and so it just didn't work out. <laughs> you've been yeah. pretty public about it. Yeah. Maybe if you could archive like two of these, <laughs> I feel like yeah. that's so funny. But I feel like winter games would have been my moment for sure. Oh, Leslie Murphy. Sorry. What about Leslie Murphy? I was just going to say, cause she was on that. Um, she and I are very close. I'm sorry. I didn't mention her name earlier. If she was listening to this, but. 
Leslie and I are very. She was also a victim of Tierra Lacazzi. Mm-hmm. She had Sean Lowe prepared to go into a hot tub on that group date after party, and Tierra Lacazzi came and stole him away and like prohibited her from doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Poor Leslie. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie also does great social media. Yeah, she's doing great. Yeah. Is there anything that would bring you back to the Bachelor franchise? Will you be watching the double Bachelorette season? Oh, I, I will definitely watch. Um, and just because I didn't watch Clayton season doesn't mean I'm like done with the franchise. I'll definitely get back into it. And yeah. certainly when Paradise. You just hate Clayton and Leslie Murphy. <laughs> no, I just, I don't know. I guess I just wasn't into it. My heart wasn't in it. But I will watch it again as a viewer. I don't ever see myself really, I don't see the reason why I would get like invited to anything ever again. Mm-hmm. I used to get invited to like reunions and live tapings frequently, but I, that doesn't happen anymore. The second you get a spouse from outside the franchise, like you are pretty much dead to the franchise. I'm convinced. Whoa. Hmm. That is yeah. kind of true. I'm trying to think of anybody who breaks that mold. And no, I think. I mean, maybe Nick, like he, yeah. Nick's mm. current girlfriend, but. But I think they're eyeing her for play. I think the producers. This is conspiracy town population me. What? This is just in your fantasies. <laughs> well, I know. Look, I have a lot of conspiracies. Okay. And this is this is one that I I have. I don't know if it's true, but I hope it is. Or I wish it would be. I think the producers are angling to break them up so that they can get her as a player in the game and maybe make her a bachelorette. But, she, but they've never even put her on in the document. That's no, she wasn't the document. She was at the after the final rose of this last season. Oh shit, you're right. She's made her debut. <laughs> I don't know. That would oh be real God. next level messed up. I know. Look at your- <laughs> you don't think they do next level messed up? Did you watch Bachelor season 24? I mean, come on. The Chase Rice moment with Victoria Fuller. I know, that was crazy. Anyway, I don't I don't want to drag you into my conspiracy world any further. I'm sorry. No, I think that's a great <laughs> stopping point. Sarah, yeah. if anybody wants to get involved with SheLift, where should they go? You can learn about SheLift right now on our website, SheLift.org. Um, we don't have any programming running right now. So if you go there and um, you don't see any events, that's thanks to the pandemic. Um, but hopefully we'll get stuff going soon again. And then you can follow me on Instagram at Sarah Heron. Hey, maybe on TikTok. I have a TikTok <laughs> if you want to follow me there. <laughs> I think I have 300 followers. I don't even know my handle. Everyone follows Sarah on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, let's boost uh, 300 followers. Come on. This is Sarah Heron, a superstar player from one of the most important seasons in the history of our beloved game. Everybody follow her on TikTok, please. Thank you. But I think the coolest content and information I can give out is um, my newsletter and my blog. I, I really don't spam people, but I share awesome information, education, opportunities um, to get outside and do awesome things with other women. So subscribe to my newsletter. It goes out like once a quarter. Awesome. I'll subscribe. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us and having this conversation and telling us all the stuff that you have told us about your experience in the game. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, this was like fascinating. One of my like all time like want to get an interview Same. Uh, so I'm very happy well thank you I it was really cool to meet you guys and I'm flattered and it was 
very fun. Like my cheeks hurt from laughing. So thank you for having me on. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much to Sarah Heron for coming on Game of Roses. I mean, I've been looking forward to this interview for so long. She did a, a little ad for how to win The Bachelor on her Instagram once. And I was just like, I thought I was having a stroke. I was like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. One of my favorite players talking about her book. And getting to talk to her was an absolute delight. Expectations exceeded. A real dream come true. I got to say, you know, Pace Case, when you and I got into this game two years ago with a little Zoom recorder Mm -hmm. sitting on my couch, speaking into it, not really knowing what we were doing, the goal was always to be able to talk to these players who helped shape the game and really made it what it is today. And I feel like today we got to do that. And it's just, it's yeah. always surprising to me that it happens. And I sincerely cannot thank Sarah Heron enough for coming on our show and giving us this opportunity to talk to her about, again, just one of the most important seasons that there ever was. Maybe the most important season in terms of putting a bachelor up as like we call Sean Lowe, the golden boy of the bachelor, because he's the only bachelor ever to marry his ring winner. And that season had a lot of crazy stuff in it. And so to hear about it firsthand from Sarah was fantastic. Thank you so much. And don't forget about our book signing on Saturday. That is at 3 p.m. at Skylight Books in Los Angeles. If you are in the area and avail. See you there, maybe. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,309 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then 